This is Behind the Brush by St. Jack. All these makeup artists uniting and saying, actually, we're here to represent something far greater than just selling a lipstick. We're here to represent the way that people fundamentally feel about themselves. That's not just a moment of satisfaction of thinking that you're a good makeup artist. That is a lifelong legacy. Hello and welcome back to Behind the Brush. It's me, it's Beth. I'm your host, makeup artist and founder of St. Jack. Before we get stuck into today's episode, let me just say, I really, truly, from the bottom of my heart, am so grateful to each and every single one of you who tuned in, downloaded, streamed. I don't even know what the right words are. If you listen to the episode with Jack Kale, the first ever episode of this podcast, I am in love with you. (laughs) The feedback that I got, whether it was a DM or an actual review or you told me in person, it just shows me that what we're doing here is so important. And the reason why I started this podcast in the first place was because I felt like many, many moons ago (laughs) when I was, you know, thinking about becoming a makeup artist, I, there was nowhere for me to find these conversations of real raw people telling their stories about what it actually means. And then fast forward to a week ago, and I'm getting feedback from people who are that age now. And they're like, thank you so much for this conversation and this podcast, because it gave me the boost I needed or the push I needed, or I'm inspired again, or I can keep going. And that is insane. And I am humbled and grateful. And so I just wanted to say thank you. (laughs) Got a bit passionate. Today's episode, I'm just going to lay it out. This one means a lot to me personally. In 2018, I was stuck in a major rut. I was really hating on myself. I had serious anxiety. I hated the way I looked. I didn't have any confidence in myself as a makeup artist. Like it just was not my time. I was not living in any sort of light. And it happened to be around this time that I discovered Hillary Holmes and it was like a breath of fresh air. Not only is she an obviously very talented makeup artist, she used her platform to talk about mental health. She championed body positivity and her social media was full of other women who were looking beautiful, but they reminded me of me. It wasn't unattainable. It wasn't unachievable. And so she didn't show me this like flawless, airbrushed, unrealistic perfection. She showed me representation. She showed me me. So having the chance to sit down with her in her space at Home HQ in South Melbourne, guys, like I woke up in that morning and I couldn't believe what was happening. And it was my privilege to be there. And knowing now that I'll be able to go back and listen to this conversation literally anytime I want, when I need to hype myself up or remind myself that I am worthy, that is just a blessing. And I hope that you guys feel the same way. We're almost going to get into it, but I did just want to lay down a cute little trigger language warning on this one. There are a few F-bombs, S-bombs, nothing majorly offensive, but I feel like these days you probably have to make it aware, make people aware. Um, So yeah, that's in there. Um, So if that bothers you, you know what to do. If not, that is enough for me, ladies and gentlemen. I give you Hillary Holmes. Hillary Holmes, welcome <laughs> to Behind the Brush. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. I am so excited to be in your space today. So if it sounds a bit cooked, don't worry about it. <laughs> no, I think, I mean, look, I've done a couple of podcasts here before, so they haven't been that too tinny. Yeah. But it is jo- essentially Home HQ is a, is a giant tin shed, so... The most beautiful tin shed in Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> so when we had the option of recording here, I said, yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for having this chat with me. I was telling you before that it is an honor because I was thinking about this podcast a year ago and I already had the document of everything I wanted to say to you. So amazing. this is amazing. No, I think it's good. I think it's a testament that you are very well researched. You're very passionate. But I think what is your shining light is that you are really keen to, you know, have no ego in your relationships with people in the industry, which is so important. No space for ego. Yeah. No. And I also have no shame. No, so. no, no, no. It's not a shame thing at all. <laughs> no. It's like, it's no, it's called being vulnerable. That's the difference. 
Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's great. It's beautiful. Thank you. Um, so we'll jump in. <laughs> I want to know what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be sane. I wanted to be loved. I wanted to be mentally healthy. I had no career goal aspirations at all, actually. Took me until like year 10 or 11 and I was horse riding a lot. We had a farm at that stage. So I was really into farmy stuff and riding horses. So at that stage, I was kind of like, well, I'll get into ag because I was sort of hanging out with some country kids. I actually had never, I didn't have any career goals at all. What is ag for people who don't know? Agriculture. Right. So I'm a farmer. I'm, I'm a country girl. Yeah. I actually, I don't, I shouldn't say that I'm split. I've lived half my life in the country and half my life in Melbourne. So, and a little bit in Queensland. Oh. Yeah. In year 12, I went up to Queensland, but yeah, my mum lived in Melbourne. My dad lived in the country. So I would come up and spend my weekends walking the streets of Melbourne, doing all that. I was a re- like, I'm super street smart around Melbourne because I spent my whole childhood walking around it. And then yeah, country with my dad. Wow. Mm-hmm. So I had no career goals at all. Don't even remember. I love that for you because I got roasted when I was five years old at my sister's debutante ball and I was the flower girl and everyone was going around in a big circle saying, I want to be an actor, I want to be a doctor. And they asked the flower girl like what they want to be, what I want to be. And I said, I want to be an ice cream scooper. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I got roasted why everyone laughed at me no that's amazing i was a fat piece of shit and i love baskin and robbins but you could be skinny piece of shit and still like ice cream (laughs) so it's nothing to do with your weight it was the fact that you just like ice cream so actually you want to do something that you're really passionate about (laughs) as opposed to someone saying what are you firefighter and they've never touched fire in their life so i actually think that's smarter i was honest (laughs) i was wrong I used to be really overweight as well, and um, I don't tell people this, but I used to fantasize being locked in a supermarket. <laughs> this is when I was like a child. I remember because we I was raised really poor, so I never had really any yummy foods around me. So I was fat and used to think I used to dream about getting locked in a supermarket at night time. I love that it's a supermarket and not like a chocolate factory or something. No, there's more var- there's more variety. <laughs> I could eat some chocolate. I could eat some donuts. I could eat. <laughs> there's oh, an actual movie there's a movie that i that's the, the movie that I, there was where a, she gets stuck at walmart yes and she has the baby no, no? there's another one there's a, oh. it's a guy that gets stuck in walmart and he oh. lives in the walmart and and i thought this is what i want to do isn't there too many movies about people getting stuck in walmart's if there's two i mean clearly walmart would have sponsored these posts right. these movies because <laughs> it was like well it's a dreamland <laughs> it's your dreamland <laughs> apparently it was my dream it was your dreamland no longer fantasizes about getting stuck in a supermarket couldn't think of anything worse actually right well yeah. we love that growth That's <laughs> <laughs> too cold i have to wear a cat man the whole time <laughs> so Okay, no career aspirations, but always, I guess, a focus on wanting to be happy, sane, which I love because for me that's not something that came in to my mental stratosphere until a few years ago. So you were doing something right. Well, I just had a really traumatic childhood and had a really tough upbringing. So when you aren't given the life to think that you can do much, you don't think about doing much. So survival is where I was at. Yeah. And it's only until I realised there's more to life than survival that I started to have those career aspirations. So I think that's important to note. And I, I say that because there are people out there that don't have beautiful upbringings that allow them to have that privilege of having career goals, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So that's for the people who are like, I don't have any career goals. Am I something wrong with me? No, it's called survival. And that's okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Actually, that's brilliant. Yeah. So when did you start getting into makeup? Because I've read and heard a little bit about you talking about how you found makeup and what you loved about it. Yeah. I'd love to share that with everyone. I started makeup later in my teen years. I was really overweight and had really bad mental health. That's why I was overweight and also genetics. But I found makeup as a way of, at that time, I say it's polishing a turd. At that stage, I was like, I need to do something to look good Mm -hmm. because I can't hide the fact that I'm fat, but I can make my eyes look a bit bigger or I can put on this pretty colored eyeshadow and it feels good. So I got into makeup as a way of kind of trying to polish the turd at that point. And then I started realizing it was a bit of a creative thing. And that was in sort of like year 12 that I discovered it. I discovered Simba Summer Glow, Natural Glow, what it's called, Natural Glow, and Pond's Tinted Moisturizer. That's where my first discovery was. And I went to uni and studied ag science. And then I started just doing my friend's makeup when we had balls because at uni you just have function after function after function. We call them functions. And, yeah, I was just like dipping in my toes and I'd go 
at that stage, I was at the Melbourne Parkville campus. I was with Melbourne Uni and I'd go into the CBD and I'd discover Napoleon at the time was really big and there was a beautiful counter just off Little Collins Street. And it wasn't actually so much about the makeup as such. There was a makeup artist in there. I, remember, I can't remember her name. She was blonde. She always gave me the time of day. I never had enough money. I'd go in there and be able to buy one pigment, you know, every month or so. I was always attracted to the pigments. And she would do my makeup. She'd really inspired me. So I was always led by the makeup artist as opposed to the makeup itself, if that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely does. And I think that part of your story really resonates with me because I had a similar experience at high school myself. I was always like the bigger friend. Like I was pretty overweight. I reckon I was about like 80, 90 kilos at high school. I didn't weigh myself and I could never fit in to like the clothes trends because, you know, everyone would wear the same stuff. Still do. Yeah. And they, they do still do that. And my older sister, Adelaide, was working in beauty counters at beautiful, David beautiful, Jones. Beautiful name, Adelaide. Beautiful name. Beautiful name. Um, and I used to steal her makeup that she would get with staff discount. So I was walking into high school with foundation that did not match me, but it gave me a new lease on my life Absolutely. because I was like, you know what? I can't fit into whatever you're wearing, but I can do my makeup and I can feel just as good. And it's just incredible the power that makeup has. And I think that when I started following you and I became aware of like your work, that was something that really set you apart for me. Yeah. I think people look at makeup and I worked at Mac, you know, I went on to work at Mac for six years and I would just see time and time and time again, people coming in to be inspired, but instead feeling intimidated. And I think makeup has to be a reflection of your own authenticity. And I think we still always are working on who we are and, and how we work best to represent ourselves. But I think for people who don't have that self-confidence or that ability to feel represented by other people, if there's any way that we can represent ourselves, you know, and that's why I think there's a lot of people out there in that bracket of age as well who might be going emo goth or Mm. preppy girl or whatever there's a way that we're clambering towards having a sense of self and at that stage we don't have one so the mimicness is what we do because we don't know who we are yeah but I think with makeup it's a really great one because we get to own that we get to own how much coverage we have you know you can't do that with clothes Mm -hmm. you can't dictate the look because the look is the look you know you put on a pair of jeans like I'm wearing a pair of jeans today don't look good on me at all but I'm wearing them because I'm like it's a straight cut doesn't work for my mum tum you know there's no stretch in the waistband so whatever whereas with makeup you can choose the flexibility of the foundation. You can choose how big your flick is. So I think it's about customising and I always say this with home beauty as well, like it's about you choosing and creating the rules around what you do. And also in a way there being no rules that you can play with it, you're in control of it. Absolutely. Yeah, it was something that probably happened later on, maybe like five or six years later and I'd studied makeup or whatnot and I started wearing really dramatic, like bright colours like, and it wasn't cool like it is now, but I just did not give a shit because that's what made me feel like myself and confident. Yeah, totally. And I just love that part of your story. Yeah, I think it's an important one, you know, like I think people can see it as a mask, but whatever you have to do, to survive, whatever you have to do to pick yourself up each day and be inspired in some capacity, you do that. And I think makeup has that ability. You know, it's it's more than a mask. It's a way of you actually spending a couple of minutes each day. Even this morning, me rushing to put my makeup on, I'm like, okay, I've got no brushes up here in my makeup in my my bathroom. How am I going to put my makeup on using no brushes? And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, let's get let's get creative with it. You know, so yeah. every opportunity to do your makeup is an opportunity to create, right? hundred percent. I think also in lockdown, I fell into the trap of not doing it all the time, yeah. and then every time I just invested even ten minutes or even two minutes brushing up my brows and putting mascara on, I just felt so much better. It just has so much power. Totally. So much power. Yeah. But you mentioned briefly that you worked in ag, didn't work out. You started working at Mac. So you would move to London, right? Yeah. So I I find, I finished my degree, went out to the industry for a couple of years, really struggled. It was not a match for my personality. I didn't realize at the time that I actually just didn't like it. Mm. I didn't realize that at the time because you're so led coming out of high school to be, what career are you going to choose? Okay. You're going to do this. You don't fucking know if you want to do PR. You don't know if you want to do this. You're falling into something that you have no idea about because you've never worked in that field before. So I fell into ag thinking, I love horses. I love the country you know, I must want to do it, I guess. And I didn't, I did it. I barely passed. I got my degree, went out to the industry, hated it, got my redundant in that 2009 recession. And then I couldn't get a job. Essentially the universe completely stepped in and said, yo, 
you're not meant to be here. And so I listened to it. And my sister at the time was living in London. I was dabbling in makeup. I tried to apply back then to a couple of now very well-known businesses, but they didn't take me on. They didn't feel like I had the right thing, which was fine. However many years later, they're like, whoops. (laughs) They always say whatever roadblock is there is there for a reason. Mm. I'm happy I didn't actually go with that brand. Yeah, it was their loss because I was so, and I still am so passionate, you know, we underestimate the value of passion. So yeah, I moved over to London. My sister was living there at the time. She's like, just come live with me for a little bit, see what happens. I had no qualifications, so I couldn't get a job in makeup here in Australia at the time because back then you had to have a degree or a qualification to be a makeup artist in Australia. And I don't have one. I'm self-taught. So before I left, I got pretty much just five of my friends together. I did their makeup, paid this guy. I don't even know how I found him, 200 bucks, <laughs> and said, can you take some photos, please? So I created, directed this shoot. Never done it before in my life, but I was assertive, so I kind of just did it. And what I classified now as portfolio. This is before social media was around. And then I went over to London with my portfolio. I got a job pretty much straight away with Smashbox Cosmetics at the time. They were a very big emerging brand in London. I got a job as their counter manager in Oxford Street. And that was a defining job. I was only there for six months. It was the toughest job I've ever done because it was cold selling product to people walking past. I had to capture people. On the street? No, no, it was in Oxford Street. It was on the Debenhams. So it was a a really great spot. It's been so long since I've travelled. I'm like, Oxford Street. Oh, yeah, the really busy one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I would have to like sell the shit out of this makeup. I did really well, but anyway, ended up applying for a job with Mac uh, six months uh, after I'd been with um, Smashbox. And because I was Australian, I got a job straight away. And then I stayed with them over there for the full two years of my visa. And then I came back and worked for a further four years with them. Four more years with Mac in in Australia. Yeah. And what was that like being a self-taught artist in those kinds of retail environments? In Mac in London? incredibly hard had I been in Australia different because I think Australians are very well even then more so they're a bit more into it now but back then they were into very minimal minimal makeup falling into that situation of being self-taught in the middle of London where they love their makeup oh I got annihilated you know like I would be handed my ass every single shift by someone telling me that you know I need to sharpen up that skill so the first few months I really struggled and then I decided look you can either be here and just mosey along and do a pretty shit job or you can actually figure shit out and do this so I spent the next 18 months working for Mac really hustling like and I don't like to use the word hustle because I feel like hustle belongs to representing someone who doesn't deserve to be there being there but I really, really worked my ass off. I shadowed a lot of makeup artists. I asked so many questions. Similar to you, when you want to do something, you want, you know, you've got to go out there and you've got to really work for it. So I did that and I was really lucky in that 18 months. Then I had a lot of really amazing opportunities. I worked for some really cool people. The exposure to celebrities over there was huge. So I did some really amazing clients and I eventually found that I was really enjoying connecting with women who were coming on. I remember one of my most defining clients over there on the counter was a woman who had just gone through severe chemo and lost all her hair and her eyebrows and lashes. She came on the counter and started crying to me in her chair and just said, I don't feel like me. I'm, I'm feeling really unfeminine and gross. And so we spent the next hour and a half playing with makeup and I showed her how she could mimic lashes and like, yeah, put on fake lashes and her brows. And she walked away and she was a totally different woman, beaming. She felt like herself again. And so after she walked away, I went, wow, that's my heart space. You know, mm-hmm. I can really connect. I don't want to just slap makeup. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's really fun to do makeup for clients going out to a party or a really pretty girl or something else. But the thing that I feel really uplifted by is, is working with clients who really need to know that they're fucking awesome. And that impact is awesome. Yeah, for sure. I mean, your branded hashtag is hashtag back your beauty. Yeah. And I've heard you say several times on your Instagram posts, stories, whatever, that it's about so much more than makeup. Yeah. And that comes down to that experience, but it really translates and carries through to everything you do and you can see it. Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day, actually. I think that everything that I've done in this business, all of Hillary Holmes Makeup, Home HQ, which is the salon here in South Melbourne and Home Beauty now, is really a very beautiful mirror to my life in the way that I've discovered makeup and the way that I've been able to see the impact it has on myself and others and it being way more than makeup. And at the end of the day, I could piss off the makeup. If I can stand here with the message, that's enough. And that has to be what it has to be. You know, I could take away your makeup and if you knew at your complete centre that you are absolutely beautiful and worthy of everything, 
then would you reach for the mascara? Probably not. But we are able to use that message or I'm able to use that message through mascara or through, you know, whatever to really connect with women to say, hey, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about your insecurities or are we talking about you wanting to put on some blush? And I know that it's never about the blush. Wow. It's actually huge that yeah. you understand that and that you can advocate for that and articulate it because I think that there is so much in this industry where it's like, nah, you want to look hot and you want to go to the party and be the most snatched person. It's like, no, it's what does this mean at its core? Exactly. There is a lot, and I think we talked about this, and I think this is why I'm very supportive of what you're doing because I think we need to stand as a industry to represent better, more, and be clearer about what we're actually aiming to do. And I think for me, there's a lot of messages through beauty that need to clear up, but it's so, so, so important that we recognise that our impact is way deeper than just putting on some makeup. For me, I think we've become a culture and society across the world of only liking pretty things, only the best version of that thing. We only want to see the models makeup. We only want to see the really hot girl wearing those, you know, things. And you resonated with me because I am that person saying, hey, I'm not skinny. I'm not the most beautiful girl. I don't have the silkiest hair. I don't have the wealthiest wardrobe. However, damn straight, I'm going to put myself first. And I think for me, I have a small following, but my following are people who really genuinely believe that message. And I am not going to put up model after model after model after model on my page because it's not a true representation of life. And I'm not going to then say to you or to anyone looking at the page saying, you're not good enough because you're not a model or you're not the most best version of that. You are you. I'm representing you in whatever way that comes. Yeah, it's so funny. And I mean, this is a very honest comment because I have, you know, talked to artists before and the recommendation is, you know, get lots of models in so that you can do lots of content stuff. And I was doing that this year and I really enjoyed it because the thing is if I'm paying them to sit in my chair for content, I can do whatever I want, which I love creatively. But then is that isolating? Don't get me wrong. There's a reason why we like to do models makeup. One, yes, they've got a full symmetrical face. They might have really exposed eyes so you can do whatever the fuck you want. Also, they know how to work the camera. That is probably why I like working with models, that I can do whatever I want and I know that it translates exactly in its purest form but also the content that I create off that is easy. I've worked with many, uh, I call everyday woman, I don't even like to use that terminology, but it's harder to get the content from that because they're not natural in front of the camera. They don't feel so confident, which is also part of the reason why I want to work with them as well because I'm like, hey, why you deserve to stand here and do this with me? Come on, back yourself with this. I was told that from the very get-go and I knew that if I wanted to have 100,000 followers plus or go and do whatever, I knew that I would have to either do model after model after model after model and have blonde tan girl, blonde tan girl, blonde tan girl or really, really tanned brunette girl, really, really tanned brunette girl. I chose very early on in my career that I didn't want to do that. That is what I would like to do. I'm not saying that any other makeup artist out there is in the wrong for choosing what they want to do. That's their choice and there's nothing wrong with that. For me, my goal is to represent all facets of beauty, all skin tones, all ages, you know, all makeup looks. So I know that. I know that that direction that I've taken has been in detriment to my growth in terms of my platform, but I'm sticking to my guns on it and and it's something that I am continuing to be passionate about. But I also hope that the message that I'm carrying through with the brand translates to others and hopefully inspires makeup artists coming up. You would think that potentially if your following is I'm doing quote marks smaller. Yeah. It's still quite a large community if you think about, you know, whatever 20, 18,000 people really is. Yeah. You must be connecting with them on a much deeper level than a shallow that's really just beautiful makeup because there is the aesthetic of that is just gorgeous makeup but then there's the message that's deeper and I think that that's why I connected with you and yeah. wanted to have this chat. Totally. So I Yeah, I can see both sides of the coin there. Working with models is great, but we also don't want to isolate the people who are going to end up in our chairs and make them feel less than because well, they're not that person. Well, that's why I started home, home Beauty is targeting that 90% of the market that aren't targeted. 90%, it's more than 90%. It'd be 95%, 90, 99%. 90% of women and people using makeup are not being spoken to. So I chose to create Home Beauty to say, hey, I'm speaking to you. 
you are my voice you need to use your voice. I need to use my voice when you don't feel like you could use yours. You know, it's a real connected thing. And and absolutely, if I showed you my DMs on my account, you would just crop. I get full body tingles when I look at the messages that I receive from people. It's the most beautifully engaged, connected, deep relationship that I have with people who follow me because they are really there for way, way, way more than just a pretty photo. Yeah. And I can attest to that because if I go into my personal account DMs, which I've had much longer than any of my other accounts, there are messages like that where I've said that to you, where I'm like, thank you so much for this, for what you have created for us and to make that 90%, 95% of people feel seen. Yeah. It's huge. Feel seen is exactly the, exactly the thing that needs to be I don't feel like, and it comes across in everything, you know, I I talk about on my socials about how we're talking about before, fashion industry does not speak to anyone who's a bigger than a size 12, 14, which is bullshit, particularly when the average size is a 14, 16 in Australia. Average, average. So average being the middle, which means all the 16 pluses, can you imagine? Yeah. Just absolutely disgusting. Anyway, it's about creating space for that and saying, I see you. And that's why, like, you know, the post I put up yesterday was me doing a shitty little meditation in the car and saying, I'm happy to put myself out there on, and I call myself a sacrificial lamb because <laughs> I'm the one that's okay. I'll put myself out there and say, here I am. You don't have to for you, but I'll put myself out there and say, you are not alone. I see you in your struggle. Struggle is a normal part of life. So that for me, My social media and the platform that I'm creating, I think social media is just, to be honest with you, just a microphone for me. I think that social media is dying in the ass, which I'm actually okay about. I think people are wanting way more deeper connection than they're getting. And I think social media can be really detrimental towards women's and any person's mental health. I agree. I mean, even today... I was like, oh, I'm going to put on makeup today and feel nice. I'd love to get a photo later. And I was like, would I put a filter on it? And I'm like, no, I don't need to, but I want to look really pretty. And it's like, holy shit. Like, even now, I don't want to take a photo of my fucking face without a filter. And you just said, I want to feel pretty. Yeah. So take away the filter and what's left. I'm like the wrinkles, the creasing. The, the, do you know what I mean? They're like, well, that's the way at, that we're conditioned to think. Absolutely, because if you filter your face, then that will show someone else that they need to filter their face, and then they use the filter and realize, well, well, I look substantially better, don't I? I look at filters and go, fuck, I'm all of a sudden Bella Hadid. But then I don't know. I always talk about this with my husband's sprinkles. My husband's um, Italian, but he's got these beautiful wrinkles around his eyes. And I'm like, every single one of those creases is there from a moment. And I personally love uniqueness. I personally love seeing imperfections in people's faces because that is real. And that's just my thing. I can't say that I'm perfect. You know, we've all started our journey and I've blurred my photos before and I've done this. And I used to love face tuning my, you know, body if I needed to. But I realized that was, you know, five years ago or whatever, and I'm like, what the fuck? Mm. What the fuck? If you really want to face tune your body, Hillary, go and bloody do a workout, you lazy bitch. Like, <laughs> stop eating fucking donuts all day. Stop locking yourself in the supermarket <laughs> at night. <laughs> Somebody who talks about this actually really well is Jules Von Hepp, who has Isle of Paradise, the fake tan brand. He's in the UK. Have you yeah, seen actually, him? I've heard of him, yeah. He's a legend in this space, and he in a very similar way to you. He's like, I'm not going to filter this. He's very raw in his social media, not just about his appearance, but his mental health. And he was really good for me actually in kind of accepting and embracing everything. But it's nice to see that what is left of the trash fire that is social media, there are people like you. I think it's really important that, and I think if you are doing a really great job with speaking to makeup artists, we have an incredible ability to touch point people when they're their most vulnerable in a way to say to them you're amazing like we have been guided by all of these big huge monopolies in our life that market to us tell us we're not good enough all these fashion houses telling us we're not skinny enough to fit into their clothes so many things that we're not even aware of you know the teachers at primary school telling us we shouldn't eat that or that there's so many things that condition us to think that we're not good enough if we as an industry can fucking get our shit together. Honestly, there is so much power in unity and there is so much power in our message. If we can start to really show these people, because 
these huge makeup houses that airbrush the fuck out of their makeup using super blurred models, that's not real beauty. And so if we have the ability to use our platforms, all these makeup artists uniting and saying, actually, we're here to represent something far greater than just selling a lipstick. We're here to represent the way that people fundamentally feel about themselves. That's not just a moment of satisfaction of thinking that you're a good makeup artist. That is a lifelong legacy. Like that's huge. That is huge. huge. And that's enough to make me get a, you know, shiver down my spine to know the power within this kind of work career. Yeah. It's huge because I think from the outside, right, if you look at even my parents' generation and all my parents looking at what I do, oh, you know, Beth's off to a wedding on Saturday and, you know, she works with her makeup and blah, blah, blah. And they don't diminish anything I do by any means. But I don't think that a lot of people see the power from the outside. I just hope that the people who work within this industry can see it. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I love it. I love being underestimated. I love when someone says, oh, so you pay people's faces for a job? Mm. Oh, honey, no, I don't. I use that as a vehicle to empower them and to show them they're fucking amazing. I use makeup as my way of being able to get into someone's house and to have a touch point with them to give them a moment of realising they're incredible just as they are. No, I'm not just a makeup artist. I don't just put makeup on people's faces. That's your limited belief. My belief is that I've got so much more to do here than just putting makeup on someone's face. A fucking man. Yeah, and that is where... I would hope that, and this is why I've worked so hard, or I'm trying to work hard to build relationships within the industry to, to really unite as much as we can. It's not about individual players in this situation when it comes to this message. This is about really us having way more power than what media and what all these people are Because t- I see all the time how makeup artists are used as minions, as pawns in the game of marketing and sales. I see it so heavily. It makes me really sad. I hate all these big brands you know, making makeup art, I'm not saying making because everyone can do what they like, but it really is if you think about it in the manipulation in this, they make you not feel good enough. And so then if they send you some PR to market their product, then you're their minion of selling their products. Let's talk about this for a minute because I haven't had the chance to yet. I mean, it's only episode two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, this is like a kaboom. <laughs> no, I love it. This is what we're here for. Yeah. It is something that I want to touch on because even for myself, like I do not have a huge following at You you do not need one? I don't need one. I don't. And I actually don't give a shit about vanity metrics or how many followers I've got. I really don't care. But I'll get approached by brands and I've fallen in the trap before. And I would say before I had St. Jack, I was really open to, yeah, I'll take free product and then I will do a makeup look and use exclusively this really shitty eyeshadow palette and then only tag you and then use your branded hashtags and then do three stories over the course of two weeks. And I think when you get started as a makeup artist, you're like, people are noticing me. They're sending me free shit. I'm making it. And then you feel like you've got to do all this stuff. It's like, honey, they're making you work for free so that they can drive their literal sales through you for nothing. The cost of that makeup palette, I can imagine, would be pretty cheap in the case that I'm talking about. And so I just love what you said about kind of the manipulation through marketing and PR and all this shit. I think that people who are emerging in the industry need to be aware of that. Not just even emerging, be your players. What is your worth? You know, I can't advocate enough. You make those businesses pay you. What they'll pay other people who they think they're more worthy? No fucking way. A micro, what they could classify as a micro influencer, has just as much weight as someone who's got a couple hundred thousand followers. If not more, because totally. when you have a smaller following, they're more likely engaged. to be engaged. Totally. And I don't even not mean more likely, that. They are more yeah, engaged. I don't even mean that in terms of like the statistic or the percentage or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. But like you can sense it, like in the DMs and all this sort of stuff, that they give a shit. It's really funny. There's two things. One, no one sends me PR. No one ever sends me PR, which I find brilliant. It only feeds my fire more because no one sends me PR because they don't want to touch me because they know what I stand for is actually standing for using my voice. They think I'm like a fire. They don't want to put the log on, you know. But for me, I just don't like the fact that these huge monopolies who are making absolute buckloads of money Bucket, bucket, bucket loads, millions of dollars a weekend. If not more. Yeah, no, no, well, that's off just a couple of product lines. Mm. They are manipulating people who are working for free, who are trying to establish themselves in an industry, who are probably broke, who can't really pay their rent, who are struggling to have an income. 
the manipulation on that is not okay for me. Mm. And that just tells me that they don't value those people. They're just using them as a vehicle. And I don't like that. What advice would you give to somebody who, say, take me for example, 1,300 followers, I've got a DM at the moment from a giant international brand that has a counter and David Jones Myers everywhere saying, let me send you a bag of products that you don't even get to choose and then you can exclusively work under our program for a few weeks. And then I don't even reply to it because I'm like, this is bullshit. But then I see other people who are kind of in my level or whatever using it. I'm like, come on, you're better than this. One, don't compare. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Because... There needs to be a leader somewhere. There Mm. needs to be someone. Sometimes to be a pioneer or a leader means that some people don't like what you're doing, but also you have to be the first. Mm. And that means that people will follow if they see it. One, the fact that they've said exclusive, which means they want to own you, bow, bow. Second, that's fine. Let me try the product. If I like it, I will let you know. If I don't like it, I will let my following know. That is meaning that your integrity as an artist is maintained, that you have freedom to say, okay, I'm happy to try this product. Thank you for sending it to me, but my opinion will be my own. That's why I don't, if you're doing an unboxing, flip, 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 I will skip past and go to a different page. I don't care for unboxings. You having a box does not make me want to buy the product. Mm. I want to hear from a makeup artist, have you used it? Do you actually genuinely love it? Or do you not like it? And I have way more respect for an artist to say, guys, I don't like this product at all. And I also know as a makeup artist that what works for you might not work for me. Like I was talking to Makeup by Bernice the other day about Morphe. So I think Morphe's sponsoring Fashion Week this year. And I think that's the truth. So I might not get that right, but I was, in my research, I thought that was the case. And she said, I don't really like the eyeshadow palettes. They don't blend for me. And I'm like, oh, they blend for me. I love them. Like I use them quite heavily in my salon. She's like, yeah, I can't use them. I'm like, it's in a funny. It's not about the products, about the makeup artist using it. But the biggest thing is, one, keep your integrity as an artist. If it doesn't something that you actually would use and you don't like it, then you've got to say it. Otherwise, your followers are going to start to lose trust in what you're about. Because I know there's always people that are just doing PR boxes and press stuff. I'm not trusting their opinion because where's the makeup artist coming through? Yeah, and that's why in that case I didn't even reply because it just... <sighs> but the next best thing you should do is respond back and say, hey, I would love to. One, I can't be exclusive. I've got other things going on and I have to work. Like you said, huge business, mm. making millions of dollars, telling you that you can't make an income on other avenues. So rude. Two, yeah, I'm more happy to share my opinion on what I think of this product because that's at the end of the day what we're there to do. Mm. We're there to use our professional thing. So I think it's important to use your voice back to say, this is what I stand for. I'm not a minion, but also I have a voice. And I think if you don't respond the cog of the wheel just keeps on turning. So we'll definitely be responding to the DM. Please after. do. No, I mean, I guess in my mind being passive and just not replying was enough, but it's just something that's been weighing on my mind, especially since like with my brand, when I want to get content, I am paying content creators because I don't want them to lose the value in what they do. I see the value totally. in what they do as content creators and as makeup artists, but I'm not just going to like send it out, you know, and then be like, well, you better post about it three times over a month. I think you've got to look at people and go, who are you targeting? So let's say with Home Beauty, right, my product line that I just launched, I have a lot of authentic, natural people who are giving honest reviews that are using it because one, they know me, two, they've had the makeup number, three, they've heard about the product. Those reviews are organic and real and that's lovely and I am so thankful for that. Then I have people who I know who use their platform as their job. I respect them and say, what are your rates? Tell me what they are. But I'll only align with people that I know who are already using the product, who really, really love it and have given me that feedback. I'm happy for anyone to say they don't like the product because that's real. We're so conditioned in our world that imperfect, the wrong or the bad review or whatever is bad. It's like, well, <laughs> there's like, reality. It's reality. Not everyone's going to like my products. Not okay. everyone likes Kit Kats and that's yeah. insane. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really like Kit Kats, but I get really blocked with them. I can't eat them. Oh, I love them. I could eat them all day. But anyway. <laughs> I'll remember that. Good. Um, but I think it's an important one. This, this one, if we're talking to makeup artists with this, it's really important that we start to rise up as an industry to say, actually, I'm not a minion in the thing. If you would like me to have an opinion that's positive about this product, you will have to pay me. That's called marketing and sales. If you want me to have any opinion on this product, you're more welcome to give me the product, but you'll have to be okay with whatever opinion comes out is what comes out. And I think it's important that makeup artists have integrity with their approach with it to make sure they're not just giving out a fake 
review for the sake of it. 100%. And I think that this is going to be really important for those younger girls and boys who are getting into makeup, who are starting to get that kind of attention to know, because unless you'd heard this, you get approached by a giant international brand. You're like, holy shit, I'm being noticed. Oh my God, of course I would love this free stuff. You've got to know your worth. Worth is all it comes back to that you aren't defined as being successful. If a big brand comes to you and says, we see you, they are simply seeing you as an opportunity, simply seeing you as an opportunity. You are not defined by their measure of success on you or what they see you as. Your definition of success is being integral to yourself, but also making sure that you're not this minion in the cog of sales and marketing of these huge monopolies. It's huge. It's a really big one. And that's something I get really passionate about. And the more I start to go into it, the more I'm like, oh, I'd love to get juicy with this yeah. and talk about it. But I mean, <laughs> we can get really juicy when the mic is off. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's something that I'm just becoming very, very, very aware of. Yeah. And um, I just think it's disgusting. It's disgusting behaviour the way that I feel like these big monopolies are bullying and these, these big brands are bullying the industry and bullying individuals. Under a cloak of we see you, you're so great, come work with us and like kind of like the evil witch hands. But it's like, no, they're just kind of using you, sis. Like Using and I think also by doing that they're going, well, we're going to make the other people feel not good enough because they're not included in this. So that, that's that whole thing of being like let's create this exclusivity and be like you can come work with us, you can come work with us, but the rest of you, you're not good enough. And then what happens is those people get really insecure and start working out of their ego and working out of a negative space and start hustling away from their actual true calling. And then we're all fitting that marketing wheel again. Yeah. And it is. It is a marketing wheel. Mm. I think that this is the perfect segue to start talking about the brand. I kind of had it down here that we could talk about the salons and you having people who have worked for you. But I think it's more interesting to talk to you right now about what's happening in the present Mm. and about home beauty. So tell me about the product line and when you knew that you wanted to do that? Probably 10 years ago when I was working at Mac in London, I was recognising that my strength was in seeing gaps and I think I'm such a product whore. Like I love buying product. I love buying products to see what the product is like, using it. I also like to see how they package it, what they're doing with it. I love to see the experience of the business, not for a competitive reason, but like let me see you, let me see what you're about. And I noticed about 10 years ago, I was like, oof, no one's speaking to these 90 percenters. No one's speaking to them. And it's so fucking crazy that 10 years later, I still feel the same way. Mm. So don't get me wrong. I think in the past couple of years, there's probably a few more now brands that are kind of getting in there. But I still think that we're marketing in a way that makes other people feel not good enough, which then makes them want to buy it to be good enough. So I started the brand maybe two and a half, three years ago. was like when I launched my first salon five years ago, six years ago, I knew that I wanted a product line. And the way that I was going to do it was have these salons to create platforms and to touch point with these women so I could have gone straight to product right and if I use my social media as the platform I didn't want to do that I wanted to connect with the women that were going to buy it so yeah I know I just did the mind-blown gesture everyone (laughs) yeah and it's that was really important to me so from the very get-go my accountant knows this everyone that works with me knew this was my goal I said if the people that I want to buy this product are there I need to work with them and I need to hear them. I need to see them. I need to touch them. I need to feel them. I need to know what they're after and where the gaps really lie. And I knew that I had a bit of touch with that with being at Mac, but then I was like, let's get going. So when I opened the salons, I knew if I opened up a salon in Geelong and my goal then was to open up salons in all the States. And so I had the first salon in Geelong that did really, really well. I had a really big team. We were absolutely smashing the bookings, like crazy amount, like seven weddings a week plus all the extra people and that was out of salon. Then we in salon, we were doing hundreds of women a week. It was crazy. How did that feel to have so many people working under your name, your ethos, touching so many people a week? What did that feel like for you? Anxiety plus. Okay. <laughs> um, I worked with myself as a makeup artist for a few years. By that point, I'd left Mac and I was just freelancing and I was so used to my own workspace. I knew when I walked into a job, that was me, whatever. And then all of a sudden, probably at the stand, I had about eight or nine girls working with me and I was bad. Like I didn't manage it well at all. I was a full creative and I was obsessed with 
I knew that if I was putting out any work, I wanted it to be on the level of my work. So I put a lot of pressure on my teams then because I wanted it to be perfect. You know, I had some really great girls working with me who I still do. Brie works with me and I've got Em um, and Kelsey and they're amazing and they're fantastic at what they do and I'm really proud of the quality of work we put out. But when you have so many people working underneath you and you're also trying to work yourself, so I was trying to run the business and people manage but also be a working makeup artist myself, it was just too much. I like was always in a bad mood because I always felt like things could have been done better. And that's just my striver. Mentality. Perfectionist mentality. Yeah, I am very similar to that. And I also have like a cheeky, cute edge of control freak. So I can only imagine what that would have felt like. And also it was coming under your name and you always want people to have that experience and to feel a certain way when they leave and to not feel in control because you're not doing every client. It must've been a lot. It was really, really, really hard. I really struggled with it. It was, um, I'm definitely not naturally a people manager. I think it's a very specific person who can do it and do it very well. I think in hindsight, I absolutely should have had an operations manager from the very start who ran the teams, but it's okay. It was all good. I've learned some really valuable lessons. And it was a really, really tough lesson that I learned over a few years. So did the salon down in Geelong, then open up South Melbourne. So my goal was to always open up these salons to essentially then touch point with all these women and really get a relationship going to really feel at their core what they were about. And I did that and I still do. And then I thought two and a half years ago, right, the time is right. Two and a half years ago, I launched the South Melbourne salon. And I was like, yep, we're ready to roll. The South Melbourne Salon is going to be the home of home beauty. And yeah, we went with it. So two and a half years ago, I started researching and going, right, now it's time to actually get into it. I actually didn't know what I was going to do. Everyone was always asking me what product you're going to launch with. I had no idea. I didn't want to go in with it with these really strong preconceived ideas. I was just letting it flow when it flowed. And then, yeah, so I started doing the research two and a half years ago and now we're here and I launched a month ago. Yeah, I think it was like four or five weeks ago. You would know more than me, girl. You and your research. <laughs> you're, you're all over it. I'm like, you tell me. I'm like, it was September. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. September 30th we launched. So we did pre-sale because COVID was so, 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 so dangerous. Let's talk about this because you on socials in COVID was fucking amazing. And I remember specifically watching you do a live where you're like, let's just do our makeup because it's fun. And you were like, I've got the product sitting in front of me, but like, I can't show you and I could feel your frustration. Then I feel like one day you just gave up. I, and I gave like, up. Gave like, up. This isn't even the packaging. It wasn't even it. the packaging. <laughs> I was like... So the other thing was COVID shot down my ability in the testing phase. The first six months was my research in getting it going and starting the base formulations. And then the past two years was my proper, like, you know, sample stages. And that was when I was wanting to test on people. And I did. I had moments of testing and I would test and test, 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 test. But I normally would have had it on so many people's faces. So I was then doing it on myself in lockdown. And I kept on getting DMs from people saying, what? Did you just put on your face? It looks amazing. And I'm like, I always would lie and say it was this product, which clearly wasn't because the product just would never compete. And I was like, oh, it's this. I felt so horrible lying, but I couldn't say what it was. And then one day I was just like, look, I would rather people see what I'm using and be really excited about it because it was such an obvious difference when I used it. And then obviously COVID was so bad and this last six lockdown really knocked us financially. I was like, fuck it, let's just go to pre-sale. You guys can see what it is. I can't even show you what the real packaging, and it was amazing. The fact that I showed my audience what the primer was without it being actually in its packaging and people being so excited about it. Like we sold huge amount of units based off people seeing something on their stories and not even not seeing what it looked like. It was insane. Which says a lot about the efficacy of the product itself that they, you know, because I think these days a lot of product purchases, at least from my end as a consumer, because I'm like you, I just love to buy shit. Yeah. You know, like you say, like a Charlotte Tilbury gold packaging, whatever, but that's like a part of the appeal to me is that it looks so beautiful on my shelf. And so it just says so much that it looks so amazing on your face. People are like, I don't even care if it comes in a glad snap bag. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And that was also really important to me. Again, when it comes to what I'm talking about with message, it's the insides that matter and where we need to put the value. Amen. Because in those examples of really expensive packaging, knowing what I know now and knowing what you know now about creating a product, packaging is a lot of what you're paying for, guys. Absolutely. (laughs) And I also want to be really sustainable. I want to be smart with the choices given we're in this current climate of people just being really aware. So I was like, I wanted to do full sugarcane tubes. You know, there was heaps of things that I wanted to do. So lol, it was funny. But I'm stoked that I launched it and, yeah, obviously... When it came to actual launch, people were just ready and raring to go. It was great. 
and I'm wearing it today for the first time because I only picked it up a few days ago and I love it. And I took photos of it like without my foundation on and then with my foundation on and I'm really fair and it looks amazing. Yeah. I look hot and I feel hot. There you go. Hey? It's, it's all in the feels. Um, it's a great product. I think I think in lockdown it really lent into the lockdown kind of vibe of not wearing any makeup. So people have really liked it on their natural skin. But I'm excited because I actually design it to be worn underneath foundation. That's the funny thing. So mm. I'm excited for people to see it because the number one thing I wanted it to do was perform. Yeah. The look is secondary, but the, the performance. So I'm really excited to hear what you have to say in terms of how it lasts. A lot of the feedback in our reviews has been phenomenal. Everyone's like, oh, my God, it's literally lasted all day. And that's what I wanted. I wanted mm. to stand strong and not be this like, I look pretty for five minutes and then see you later. Because there's a lot of brands coming out at the moment which are all about like tapping into this influencer-y kind of cool girl aesthetic. Cool girl aesthetic <laughs> that like that's all for a photo. And I've tested all of those products because I'm all about supporting all brands and seeing what they're about. And I can tell you now, they do not last. So I wanted something that literally was going to back itself up with its performance, not just with its look. Mm. Well, I'll test it tomorrow when I go out for drinks for Ooh, the first yes. time post-lockdown. Please DM and we'll me at see like 5 when my, my eyeball is like <laughs> in the ceiling and then the other one down on the floor, what I look like. <laughs> I, want, I want a selfie being sent to me at 5 a.m. of you looking like a sweaty bitch on the floor of like some dance floor. Oh, God. Be careful what you wish for no, because, no. like, in 24 hours, I'm going to be like, no, Kelly, like, <laughs> ask me to send her this photo. They'll be like, that's a bad idea. It's a bad no, idea. It is a, that's what I want to see. That is, you are. I, right. I'm, I'm giving you full permission okay. to be, like, so dodgy my DMs. That please. is real life, yeah, guys. Exactly. That's real life. Yeah. That's actually, and I also think that when you're in that state, you're in your most vulnerable. So Amen. you'll tell me exactly what you want to say. And I'll be like, yes. <laughs> Well, I'm sure I'll I just made great. out with this guy and he said I looked really good. I think he's got a bit of primer on his face <laughs> and he looks really good. Actually, I've got a couple of guys that have some businesses around me in my street in South Melbourne and I've all given them the primer. Oh, have you? Yeah, because it's got some really good key ingredients in it like your hobo oil, hemp oil, niacinamide, like ingredients that are actually really important for skin health. Mm. And so I said to them, look, it's something really subtle. And I said, just put it on and tell me what you think. And they've come up to me and they're like, oh, my God, I really like it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I love that. Why can't you wear it? Dad, you're getting the primer for Christmas. <laughs> Just re- we'll have to repackage it into some like dark brown, you know, like Iron like, Man, Iron Man. <laughs> oh, you got this from Bunny. Yeah, oh, yeah. Looks good. <laughs> Put some gaffer tape around the outside of it. You'll be fine. He's like, that looks great. <laughs> um, so like what's next then? What's next for you? What do you want to do? Well, it's funny. Um, at the moment, I've talked about it recently with Victoria Devine on her podcast regarding business. Love her. Yes, I adore her. She's great. Yeah. Manufacturing product is, as you know, incredibly hard. There's a lot of factors that will impact delivery and things that you won't know until like a curveball comes around the corner. So we're supposed to be launching our next product in three weeks' time, but we've just discovered this week that importing has gone to absolute poo for everyone. I think Christmas this year and all Black Friday sales will be significantly impacted with their offerings because of importing and China and all the manufacturing issues over there. China's got new legislations, which means they can't use as much electricity and they've got all this stuff. So we're not going to launch until next year. However, this is the universe speaking to me again. And what it is telling me and what it absolutely should be telling me is that I need to spend more time really appreciating this primer because this primer is genuinely phenomenal and if I'm rushing onto the next product I'm really not giving it the time and the attention that it deserves so we're going to just spend the rest of 2021 with the primer and really adore it and spend you know whatever and then next year we'll have a couple of products launching February March next year beautiful yeah out of interest because this is the one thing I didn't research are you selling internationally at the moment or are you just at home? No, no, we're selling internationally just to, we're getting odd orders you know I think we had one so from Singapore, Scotland, New Zealand. They're not huge amounts, which is why we're happy to do it for now. I hate when you go to buy something from a brand and they don't ship to Australia. It's mm. like, come on, just put it in the mail. Charge Try me a bone. Charge me for it. I don't care. Just send me the product. So, yeah, we are shipping internationally. We are absolutely still keeping it in-house at the moment until I feel really confident with our brand stability and the foundations being completely you know, strong. We won't go into any retailers. We're getting DM'd all the time and emailed all the time asking to go into different areas. Just for now, I just need to really make sure that this brand is solid. And once we've got a better offering on the table with more products by the end of next year, I think we'll probably start to see what we do in that space. How exciting. 
Mm. Huge. Yeah, it'd be really great. There's a lot of work to be done. You know, I'm speaking to makeup artists with this. I think it's really important to note that you don't get a return. You know, I'm not I'm not getting all of a sudden like going into Louis Vuitton buying handbags. You know, I am still absolutely not taking a wage. Product costs so much money. It's really important. This is a long-term investment. To do a product line, it's a long-term return. I won't see any money in my pocket for a number of years. And I know that this is all about, you know, getting the next product, getting the next product, you know, reinvesting back into the experience. You know, the experience is really huge for us in the way that we are with education at Young Beauty is huge. So, yeah, it's a long-term thing. So I think if anyone is really keen to do product, to really make sure that they're aware that it's expensive, it's a long-term thing because it's really, you know, as you know, sourcing and finding manufacturers, it suits the person that is very passionate about seeing that there's a niche in the market for them. There's a niche and they're really passionate about wanting to fill that niche, then absolutely go for it. But I think it's not for anyone. It's not for what it's what I said for the weak hearted, is it? Yeah, not for the faint of faint heart. heart. And it's it's really not. And I love what you say about, you know, I'm not like gliding into Louis Vuitton. I think because of the way Instagram can work and as we've discussed not necessarily yours because you're very transparent you're very honest I think that the whole idea of having a product as well is like glamorized but you know it's a lot of hard fucking work and you know even people will say to me like oh you know you must be like so successful now and blah 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 and blah 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 and I was like yeah that's so nice that it looks that way and I am enjoying like you know building my brand but sis, I'm not eating oysters at Stokehouse every night and pulling my credit card out of Gucci. Like I have to work so hard and I haven't personally made a fucking dollar. No. And you have to know that. Absolutely. That's what I was saying about the salons. I wasn't making any money at the salon because my overheads were so heavy. Like as a makeup artist, I cannot say enough. There's two ways that you would go about a career. Because I think this is another conversation. I think this podcast would go fucking hours if it did, but (laughs) there's a real shift at the moment and has been for the past year or so, particularly with COVID of people not wanting to work for people. People want to work for themselves. If you want to work for yourself, fantastic. But no, it's not going to be as financially rewarding as you think it might be. It's also going to be really, really hard work. If you are invested into that and you really want to go for it, then absolutely can be your thing. If you are wanting to work for yourself and have good money, then keep your overheads exceptionally low. Work from your home, you know, don't travel for singles, you know, be really smart about what you're doing. Travel for bigger groups, make sure you know your worth and put your value down. I think that there's a even another conversation about the lack of makeup artists in Melbourne at the moment, particularly in the bridal world. Mm-hmm. I think bridal makeup artists are really becoming quite far and few between. So there's an opportunity there. But I think if you're going to do it, make sure that you know your worth because you need to make money. Otherwise, I cannot say this enough, work for someone else. There is amazing opportunities working for brands. You know, find the right fit. There's long-term career options, stability, super, like sick pay, there's like consistency of income. You can go have holidays. Whenever something like COVID hits, you're safe and secure. There is a lot of value with working for people. And not only that, there's opportunities in businesses now that you can have that you wouldn't have necessarily with yourself. Like, you know, I've lost a lot of makeup artists who want to work for themselves that ended up probably dropping off the ball completely because they didn't get the opportunities they were hoping to have. Had they hoped and stayed with me, they'd be off doing amazing things. So I think got to know where you're at with it you know if you want to commit to working for yourself you've got to be really smart about it and you've got to make sure that you're really committed and I've seen some makeup artists go off and do their own thing and they've killed it but it is a huge investment of time energy and not much money coming through at all and it is long term long term there is nothing overnight success does not exist no no especially being a makeup artist it's just not a thing no you got to work hard I think even like I've seen these really small makeup artists wanting to build up their platforms it's not as easy as you think it is anymore building up a social media following so it's really tough to build followings now like you know maybe a few years ago when I think Instagram really hit its peak people will get followings really increase quite quickly but now it's a different kettle of fish now you know it's really hard I know that like I myself I haven't done much makeup work because I've been locked down but like yeah. I've hovered around the same number for like eight months it's really hard whereas on something like TikTok which is unrelated because I do it for the brand I've got like 10,000 followers in two months mm. it's just crazy but I think my piece of advice in that sort of thing for anyone listening who's worried about it is don't worry about it because it's literally just a number if you have a hundred followers 
that's better than a thousand if those hundred people will actually book you. They respect your work. They appreciate yeah. your talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about that shit. I was speaking to Jade Kay the other day, Jade Canisbo, who's amazing, and she'd actually received some advice from Zoe Foster Black. The thing was, if you have a thousand loyal customers, you're good. And I thought that was really, really valuable because I think we're all like, I haven't got 100,000 followers. Oh, my God. Actually, I know people who've got 100,000 followers and their engagement's significantly low. They don't get anything off it, you know, whereas I've got people who might have 1,000 followers and have an insanely, like I know this makeup artist called Stodge who I'm just connecting with at the moment who's doing some amazing makeups, amazing makeups. She's got a huge, huge following. I know a couple of makeup artists around Melbourne that are doing really amazing work and they haven't got huge followings. Their following doesn't equate to their work. I know actually a lot of the best makeup artists in the world actually don't have large followings because they're not Instagrammy people. Mm. You know, we've got to remove this idea that the Instagram following is the equation of success. Yeah. A little louder for the people in the back because <laughs> that is, that's the key. Yeah. And, you know, even like two years ago, like pre-COVID, I was obsessed with my following and like, why isn't it bigger? And I've got to grow it. I've got to grow it. It's like, no, I've got to grow up. It doesn't matter. Nah. Um, yeah, totally. But I think I've used... Just about enough of your time today. No, okay. Um, but before we go, we're going to play a quick round of this or that because it's my favourite. Hit me. Hit me. Cocktails or champagne? Cocktails. Salty or sweet? Sweet. Ryan Gosling or Ryan Reynolds? Reynolds. Ooh. Bronzer or highlighter? <sighs> Bronzer, just because I'm a bit chubby at the moment. <laughs> same uh in the unlikely event that people don't know you know don't follow you don't know where to find you hit them with the links where can they get you well hillary Holmes makeup is my main account that's where i am myself the makeup brand is now home beauty that's where the product is i'll be on there as well doing some educational things and then we've got home hq which is a salon in south melbourne where you work from occasionally i love this place if you are a makeup artist in melbourne and you want to be part of a great vibe you got to check out home hq when you can get a chair and if you take my chair i'll kill you <laughs> <laughs> we have dropped the number of chairs down a little bit we're yeah. just wanting to keep it really exclusive and, and it's what it is if you have like the races coming up or if you've got you know, an event or something and you've got a number of clients and you don't want to work from home, we want a professional space or a co-working space that feels really good because there's other makeup artists and they're bouncing ideas and energy off, then Home HQ is the reason why we've created it. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's a beautiful, like, physical space, but it's a beautiful energy and having worked in here, like, quite a few times, I can definitely attest to that. But thank you so much for letting me come in here today and take over your day because I know that you're so busy. No, it's okay. But I also just wanted to take this opportunity to thank you for the space that you have created with your energy online. And it is, like, getting a bit emotional because it's just a joy to meet you and have this conversation with you and I know that everyone will get so much out of it so thank you so much absolute pleasure you're the reason why I'm doing it it's it's important that we remember that yeah connection is everything thank you pleasure Now that you've heard that conversation, I feel like potentially you might resonate with the passion I was feeling when I recorded the introduction for this episode. I went in prepared to that chat with so many questions and I never even ended up asking them and I didn't even care because the conversation as it happened organically was so much more insightful and inspiring than I could have ever dreamed. But I just wanted to summarize two of my top lessons from this chat because I recorded this with Hillary. Oh my gosh, it might have been more than a week and a half ago. I actually have no idea. (laughs) What is time? Uh, But these lessons have stuck with me and they are ringing around in my brain. So I just wanted to offer these to you. Number one, with great power comes great responsibility. (laughs) There is great power in being a makeup artist and being with other humans because we know that humans are incredibly vulnerable. So it's how we use that power with our clients and also how we use that power with our platform that's going to say a lot about who we are within the industry. For me, that means that before every post or before each job, I really need to look inside myself and think about who am I as an artist? Who do I want to be to my clients? And who do I want to be for my followers? Number two, and this is huge, guys, know your worth. 
I mean, I have fallen victim to this. It is so, so easy when you're working in this industry to misinterpret offers that come from big conglomerate brands as major opportunities, right? But the next time this happens, I'm not saying that they are big opportunities, but the next time this happens, ask yourself, what are they really asking you to do? And is it actually worth it? And if you go through with it, are you valuing yourself? Are you valuing your time? And are you valuing the work that you are going to be putting into that potentially for free. So just think about that. And I have plans to talk to someone who is a real kind of expert in this area, hopefully in the new year. So we can look forward to that. But in the meantime, if you enjoy today's episode, you already know what I'm going to say. I'm sorry, but it really would mean the world to me if you could just quickly jump onto Apple Podcasts and leave me a review or even just a rating. I know that a lot of you are listening on Spotify and there's no way for you to rate it on there. So you'd have to go into a separate app, but I swear it's going to take you like a minute, a minute and a half tops and it's going to help me sleep so good at night. So isn't that worth it? (laughs) Uh, But look, anyway, I can't wait for you to hear the next chat that I've got coming up for you. Uh, But if you want to stay up to date before then, you can find me on Instagram at by St. Jack, that's B-Y St. Jack or my artistry page, which is at Beth Wilson MUA. Wait, is it? at Beth Wilson underscore MUA. (laughs) Anyway, see you on the next one. Bye.